Welcome to Open Banking Expo Unplugged, bringing you the brightest minds in open banking, open finance and beyond. Hello and welcome to the Open Banking Expo Unplugged podcast. I'm delighted to say that I'm joined from the other side of the world today for this episode by Brenton Charnley, who is the founder and CEO of Open Finance Advisors. Uh, he's going to tell us a little bit more about that business that he founded uh, just last year in a, in a short while. But Brenton has you know vast experience in in the sector. Some of you may have heard of him because he was appointed to head up the operations Australian operations of TrueLayer a little while ago. So we're going to dive in really because there's loads to talk about at the moment. Open Finance Advisors has just published its kind of report on the Australian ecosystem. Um, which I think was is is a really eye-opening read uh, from my perspective. For those of you that are listening that haven't read it, we're going to talk a little bit more about um, about what Brenton kind of reported on in that ecosystem map and, and report, really, and just find out where Australia is on its on its journey. Like so many countries, you know, there have been false starts, um, lots of ambition and ambition, but obviously, you know, on the ground, sometimes it can be a slightly different story. So, Brenton, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's great to join you. Well, let's start with find out a little bit more about your own background. As I mentioned there, you founded Open Finance Advisors just last year, in fact. So can you tell us a little bit more about that business and what kind of prompted you to to start your your own company? Absolutely. I mean, I, I really didn't get to finish what what I started with uh, with TrueLayer and Open Banking. So I really want to, I'm really passionate about making it happen and um, I'm here to do that. So that's the idea behind uh, Open Finance Advisors, um, Street Boutique Consulting and Advisory Services, really focusing on open banking and open finance. Uh, in Australia, as we'll talk about a bit more, we have the consumer data right framework, which is multi-sectoral. Um, therefore, the opportunity to uh, introduce technology into new sectors is really exciting for me. And, and the last 10 years of my career, I've really focused at being at the front end of changing industry. Um, prior to open banking, I was in uh, in the insurance sector and insure tech was my thing. So, you know, I've really enjoyed being part of uh, large incumbent, regular, overly regulated, highly technical industries. Um, so, yeah, that's what I'm passionate about, um, strategy and, and solving big problems. Well, yeah, I mean, talk about solving big problems, obviously, um, as you say, Australia have taken well many are seeing as as you know really ambitious um, approach, which is that consumer data rights, and obviously as you said, that's kind of across sectors, starting with financial services or, or banking specifically, I suppose. So, can you kind of give us a really brief um, outline of, of of where you've got to in Australia, and in, in the sense that obviously you're, you're still fairly early on, aren't you? And I think this is something that your ecosystem map and report pointed to, really still early on in that open banking journey. Yeah, absolutely. So you're correct. So the, uh, take a step back, the consumer data right economy, economy-wide uh, regulation uh, looking to bring open data to change up uh, multiple sectors. Uh, already on the agenda, we have banking, which was mandated first, uh, followed by the energy sector, which is an interesting one, which is about helping uh, consumers understand the energy usage and then how to complement that with alternate sources. Uh, next in, in line is going to be telecommunications. So again, another interesting regulated sector. So non-financial services. So we, we're seeing this open finance uh, plan come to the fore. Uh, and we've also seen non-bank lending. So um, uh, other credit providers uh, also be designated uh, recently to share data under the consumer data right. So very broad uh, in its objective. 
And we're two and a half years in, um, in terms of open banking in and of itself. And energy went live in November last year uh, with a mandated set of uh, data holders, as we call them. So um, we're still very early. And, and one of the things I touched on in my report is, uh, unlike the UK, um, we're still not aware yet or publicly aware of how many consumers are using it. So two and a half years in, uh, we have great coverage um, really different to how the UK approached it with mandating only the CMA9 to, to share data. Uh, in Australia, the CDR, um, the regulations required all, they're called um, authorised deposit-taking institutions, i.e. banks, um, 114 of them to share data. So um, that's where we're at. Um, we have 95% of coverage um, of connected banks to what's called the register. So, you know, from that perspective, we, we're mature, we've got great coverage. Um, but from a consumer adoption perspective, and, and to think back from the UK, I believe it was uh, three years for the UK to hit a million consumer consents or unique customers. So um, you know, I'd love to say we could get, you know, maybe proportionally of the way there <laughs> in uh, in six months' time or five months' time, but um, uh, it'll be interesting to see. So um, yeah, early in the consumer adoption curve uh, in banking. So let's, I guess, it is quite a useful comparison, actually. The, the UK and Australia at this point, because obviously in the UK, we've, as you say, we're obviously that little bit further in, five years in, but we've reached a bit of a, of a, a crunch point, I guess, in that we're at the end of this kind of roadmap, as, as we call it here. That obviously came from the UK's Competition and Markets Authority. And now we find ourselves in the UK in a bit of a, a kind of limbo state or this interim state where we're sort of awaiting a few reports about, you know, what the future entity that might kind of govern and oversee open banking into open finance will look like. And I think when, when you know, uh, when I talk to people, um, and, and not just in the UK, but all over the world, especially, you know, in Canada, they're often looking to Australia and, and the fact that that you obviously have this vision to to kind of focus on the data aspect as opposed to just the, the open banking aspect. Um, uh, maybe there's Obviously, somewhere between the UK and Australia, there's this middle ground that that probably works perfectly. But um, uh, I think you know, just just going back to your ecosystem map and report, as you said there, there there is there are some 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 issues or this lack of momentum. Maybe again, you know, comparing it to the UK, we find ourselves with this kind of momentum that's slowing now, maybe even stalling. Just thinking about that. How do you see Australia kind of moving forward from here, ideally, and uh, and being able to get up to that that kind of consumer adoption levels that you're hoping to see? Absolutely. I, I mean, I think there's a language that I use, and if we think about it from the reverse, so we've got the consumer data, right, rather than just open banking standards, right? So number one, it's, it's encompassing. There's regulatory and legislative frameworks to enable the government to mandate new sectors, which is what they're doing. They've got the right to do that, which is a great starting point. So if you think about the consumer data right, we, we kind of started the reverse. We've got the right, the government's got the right to mandate for data holders to share data so that consumers have the right to request their data. You then move to the data bit, which is the implementation component, right? The data in the consumer data right is requiring for a, a bank, in this case for banking and an energy company or a telco, to build the API technology to then share the data so people can connect, connect to it, intermediaries or, or recipients alike. And the last bit is the consumer getting it in the, in the hands of customers. And I think that's the challenge for 
our ecosystem to date is that we haven't seen a large adoption um, of recipients. We call them accredited data recipients, those that receive the data um, coming forward. Right? We've got 88 data recipients to date, um, which which isn't isn't a lot in the context when we have you know, 25 million consumers, you know, 15 to 20 million banked. So of age. And, you know, I think that's the big challenge for us is that in order for us to see broad adoption, you need consumers to have it in their hands. And I think the way it's designed and the barriers that we have, we need the banks to be coming and putting it in the hands of customers through the banking apps. Uh, we have incredibly great technology. The banks, most of our banks are, you know, fully digital and um, to see them push it, I think would make a big difference. Um, we do have uh, innovators and early adopters at the bleeding edge uh, trying to bring new um, products to market with open banking. But again, this is about getting it in the hands of consumers and early stage fintechs. Unfortunately, you know, the consumer base is just that much smaller. So, so we haven't yet seen a large number of kind of consumer adoption. And, and I think for me that the challenge there is that even though we're two and a half years in, we haven't seen the burning platform. So, for example, um, we, we've only got data access. We've only got read access. That's one. Therefore, a lot of the use cases are kind of nice to have. Um, and for the use cases that do use um, existing open data solutions, it's done through screen scraping. Screen scraping hasn't been mandated to be uh, turned off, unlike it was in the UK. So that was a big transition from... Uh, open banking adoption as well. So that hasn't happened yet. So, you know, that burning platform, if you were ingesting data through screen scraping solutions and someone was saying, hey, six months time, you're not going to be able to use that. That's a pretty significant burning platform that's going to drive adoption and uh, consumer awareness. So we're not not there yet. And, and I think for me, on the consumer side, you know, no consumer wakes up and says, hey, I want to use open banking today. They just say, I want to do something faster and cheaper ultimately, um, or easier, you know, I mean, th those things make it easier, convenience, uh, choice and competition, the language of the CDR. And so it, it, it's on the incumbents and new entrants to get it in the hands of customers. So I think that's what needs to happen uh, in order for, uh, for it to happen. And I think what's stopping that, and I think the, the key term here is implementation, right? We've got, we've got great coverage mandated by the government to say banks you need to share it but when it comes to reliability of the data uh, and the ability to connect to it and get accurate data that's when it falls down and essentially what happens in australia is we've got a ticketing system whereby if you're a recipient and something's wrong with the banking data you lodge a ticket to a portal the bank can then directly respond to that ticket and what's happening at the moment it's taking weeks and or months for those rectifications to to resolve and as technology is aware and sure you as a consumer if your website doesn't load in in 10 seconds you're off <laughs> so if, that, if something's taking days weeks and months to resolve you've lost that customer like if you can't get them the data to help them change their their loan or uh, learn something about their spending they're, they're just not going to use it again so so i think that's a big issue here that we're needing to see is closing the gap on on implementation and I assume it's it's taking so long to resolve because there's not really a there's not really a hard deadline as such. There's no one implementing what kind of. That's right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There's no accountability. Uh, I, sorry, I, sh I should rephrase that. There is accountability. We have a, a regulator. Um, the ACCC is responsible for for regulating the implementation, um, but it only goes so far um, in the fact that 
they can call things out and report on them and, and, and talk about it. But the banks fundamentally have to do it. And the Australian banks at the moment are being asked to do a lot of technical implementation work. And so um, I suspect that the load of technical work that they need to do and comply with um, could be getting in the way as well. So um, we have seen two fines issued by the regulator to non-complying banks um, uh, in the last few months, um, relatively inconsequential by quantum uh, in terms of the amount of those fines. So there is calls from the industry asking you know, is, is that actually meaningful um, in terms of the fines that were issued? The, the regulator has mentioned that the, those fines are set by by law, so they couldn't change those. But but equally, you know, if you're quite a big bank and, and you're being provided with a very small fine, the, you know, the the reason to comply kind of goes away a little bit. So but yeah, I, I think, yeah, yeah, it would be interesting to see implementation. And I think that the vision is getting in the way of getting it in the hands of consumers. We're going broad rather than going deep. And the UK, did, I think, personally did this really well, is that you've got read and you've got write access, you've got some great use cases, and you've got 6 million consumers using it, right? That's the best, to me, that's the best definition of success of whether a piece of software does what it says it should do. Um, you know, we could have all the data holders under the sun in Australia, but if no consumers are actually using it, you know, has it delivered the promise that we're supposed to do? We're yet to see that. And so now, um, yeah, I mean, I guess that comparison to the UK is, is really relevant because now we find ourselves at a point where we obviously went really deep and, and perhaps lacked that vision. So didn't have a plan in place for how we then might get from open banking to open finance, to put it really simplistically, of course. But, um, you know, you, you talked there obviously about the fact that, yeah, open banking really isn't isn't anywhere near completed in Australia. But yet, obviously, you so can you tell us a bit more about the fact that um, I think you said last November was it the so the energy sector uh, now being brought on. What, what exactly does that mean, and what um, and what's happening? What's happening there? Because if if there's no kind of, I guess if you're if you're you don't know any numbers when it comes to consumer adoption for for the banking side, is it any different from the, for the energy side? Yeah, not that I'm aware. I mean, I have we haven't seen any publicly announced significant use cases on the energy side. I mean, the the concept. Some of the, the, the well-known use cases that we're hearing about is the ability for, uh, in Australia, given that we have lots of sun, slightly different to the UK, but um, uh, pretty much pretty much every home, uh, if you've got a significant roof space, um, has solar panels on top of it, um, or you want to get solar panels. So um, there's, a, there's a very exciting use case whereby you could use the consumer data right to understand your usage patterns um, so that you could optimise the types of panels, the number you can put on the roof of your house so that you can essentially generate the right amount of electricity because there's a there's a bit of a you can get nerdy about it but there's a bit of a cost versus benefit analysis you, you could think that putting as many on your roof is as good as you can get but actually you might only need half of those right so it's kind of like a buy like a payback calculation and if you can understand your energy usage and i'm not sure if you've ever looked at your energy i'm not sure what the energy bills in the uk versus australia are very similar or different but you've got all these different rates and tariffs and all these different things. It's very confusing. So that's that's a really great use case, which is about helping people understand when and how they use their their, their power in the form of data, and then to be able to share that with a, a provider to be able to help you make some financial decisions, which can save you you know thousands of dollars a year, um, which is a great use case. But that's as I said, that's only just come live. Um, we've only I think uh, we've only got two or three data holders. So I'm not across the energy space as much as the banking side, but 
um, yeah, it's it, it's new, um, but yeah, we're waiting to see um, some providers get into market. Yeah, okay, so really early days, but that that is a really kind of practical use case, I guess, something really tangible, isn't it? That from an energy consumption point of view, that that's quite interesting to see. And I guess the other thing, just talking about, um, you talked a lot about obviously, obviously the banks, but um, you know, it'll be interesting to hear a little bit more about kind of the the fintech ecosystem in Australia, especially as obviously, you know, we've really alluded to the fact that you were heading up operations for for TrueLayer in Australia initially. We do know, you know, it's public knowledge that they paused those operations now, um, and they're not the only ones to do so. Right, I think that's fair to say, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think everyone's well aware in the technology sector what's happening with technology investments. And and yes, um, unfortunately, had to pause the operations for TrueLayer here um, in October last year. And it, it's just a factor of that, you know, focus on on two things, the, the maturity of the Australian market, which we're talking about today in terms of open banking. And then the second, the, you know, the importance of focusing on the UK and Europe, which is what TrueLayer is focused on at the moment. So um, yeah, it was a very, very sad time. And uh, no one would wish this to happen for any for anyone. Lots of technologies are, are feeling the pain um, of the last great eight years, and, and things have changed significantly for everyone. So, um, yeah, we're all here, big supporter of TrueLayer and, and everything that they're doing uh, over in in Europe. Yeah, and and like you say, you know, um, similarly, fintechs in in Europe and and in the US, uh, while they're not, obviously not pulling out of those markets, they are obviously having to make some big decisions in terms of employee numbers and. Uh, and that kind of thing. So it is a, is a really challenging time for fintechs. Just so, just turning kind of generally to the fintech in, you know, involved in, in Australia. Then, um, what, what does that look like? Is it is it healthy? Otherwise, do you know how uh, do fintechs and, and banks kind of have those partnerships that certainly in the UK we've really promoted as being key to open banking's success? Really, yeah, it's it's very similar. I mean, we. The UK and Australia typically follow a similar path in terms of uh, regulatory changes and, and mandates um, and then successes, of course. So, you know, the businesses that are doing well are those ones that are, are solving a fundamental problem for consumers. Um, a lot of those around payments and remittance. Um, we're still seeing the share trading ones. You know, the crypto ones are softened a little bit with the, with the market changes, but the crypto platforms are still, um, are still there and they're still operating. So, um, we are seeing more um, partnerships and investments from from the banks, of course. So like it's a great time for them to be looking and doing an M and A, and um, a lot of technology companies can can build things faster, and and that and the banks can outsource. Um, there's a huge, you know, similar to the UK um, compliance burden for the banks, right? Uh, AML and and, and CTF. Uh, activities, you know, if you're trying to do something new, there's quite a heavy weight and burden of those. So, you know, there's some some great businesses in Australia helping with that. There's a this wonderful business called Frankie One um, that that's doing that and helping the banks. Um, it's a great success story for Australia. Uh, the other side, you know, lending is is a big space. A lot of fintechs are still focusing on on lending because that's a core core use case. You know, with interest rates going up, a lot of refinancing and mortgage challenges, and you know, fintechs are doing that well. Um, and then the the kind of the neo banking is an interesting space, and we've seen a great success story in partnerships, particularly one called UpBank, uh, and, the, and a partnership with Bendigo Adelaide Bank. They're called. So um, there's some great shining lights and examples of where partnerships have done really well. But I suspect in 2023 that'll be even more important. Um, and we saw one this week with a digital lender called Nano Bank, um, uh, essentially 
focusing purely on technology rather than being a fintech, just doing the tech and partnering with a, uh, a, a quite a large bank in Australia called AMP to, to do the lending. So that was a change to their, their strategy. But I think we'll see more of these uh, in 2023. But payments is the big payments is the big one that uh, everyone needs to focus on and, and do well. Yeah, and uh, I was going to say actually as well, we should talk about that ecosystem map and report that you brought out. You know, it was in collaboration, wasn't it, with with other organisations? So I think FinTech Australia and um, FData ANZ and Open Finance ANZ. And yeah, let's let's talk about payments actually. Um, seeing as seeing as we haven't really touched on that so much, um, so yeah, perhaps kind of bring us up to speed with with what's going on there and and how Australia is 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 really pushing payments kind of this year. What what that's going to look like really? Absolutely. Well, we've got. I mean, let's a bit of a background on the payments ecosystem. We're similar to to the UK, we've got a, a fast and slow payment system, um, and uh, our kind of facilitator independent facilitator of the fast payment system is called the new payments platform Australia NPP. They're now a larger organization called Australia Payments Plus. We won't get into the into that whole thing, but essentially the NPP, as, as they were called then, have um, launched a, a product or mandated that the banks launch a product called Pay2. And it's a, it's a mandated payment system similar to payment initiation or in, in the UK. Um, it's really a, a replica, a fast replica of of a direct debit system, and um, so that's happening at the moment. Um, a lot of banks are complying or are working to comply with that. So we've got a very big payment system change underway, and then at the same time we've got a payment system review that's happening that was announced by the government. It's under consultation at the moment um, in terms of what are the new mechanism for payment providers to come to Australia, and the reason being is. Banking and payments are closely intertwined in Australia, the licensing framework. In order to process payments, you need to work with a bank. And so they're looking at how that works. And then on top of that, we've got the consumer data right, uh, looking at action initiation. So action initiation is a little bit more ambitious, again, than, than pure payment initiation. It's saying that um, a, a consumer should be able to initiate an action, which is inclusive of a payment action, but also can include use cases like switching or opening and closing a bank account um, or a product um, such as a loan, for example. So um, it is quite ambitious. We saw uh, draft legislation last legislation introduced to the Parliament last year, um, which is really exciting. But you know, to give that in some context, you know, we're two and a half years in on the data side. We've got good coverage. But prior to those two and a half years, we had, you know, two, two to three years of design and rulemaking and implementation before it even went live. So I, I think we're still three or four years away of seeing an action initiation use case to come to market because the banks, as I mentioned previously, have got a long list of uh, technical compliance objectives that they need to hit, including pay to this mandated payment service. Um, and then we need to add on you know, completing open banking data access, and then you've got to add on action initiation right access on top of that. So there's quite a lot to do. Yeah, okay. So we're looking at a, a few years out there. And that's interesting. I think just talking then, I guess, uh, you know, is, is there then this kind of sense of frustration in Australia? Or or, or really, is it a case actually the ecosystem see, sees this vision, it can see where this is going to end up so there's no frustration. It's just a sense of plugging away until you get there, kind of thing. I, I think in the in the in the market of fast-paced technological change, there's absolute frustration. 
um, you can expect frustration on the banking side that they're, they're, they're probably saying, hey, the government, you're asking us to do too many things all at the same time. This is incredible that we're seeing technical change. But as consumers, you know, um, your, your personal data, your health data and your money, probably the most important things that you can really protect, right? And we're seeing that playing out more and more with, you know, the financial scams happening around the world. So, you know, I really think that there is frustration on both sides. I think the government's is work, government is working. We had a change of government in there last year as well, to be clear, um, similar to, to, to you guys. But, you know, we, we, we've seen, um, seen a bunch of change. Um, the frustration is definitely uh, felt by the early adopters. You know, they're investing the time, they're investing the energy, they're working to make change and to, to create innovation. Um, and, and that's coming up against non-compliance issues and and perhaps poor implementation. So, um, yeah, it, it's difficult. I think the businesses that have got the staying power to work through that, you know, that are well-funded, we'll see through that. As I said, you're five years in, six million and you still haven't got it perfectly right yet in the UK as well, right? So, you know, we've got another two and a half years to get there. So I don't know what is the right the right answer. Um, but um, I do hope that 2023 we'll see some use cases and we'll see consumers and therefore uh, uh, it will see some positive news stories. Yeah. And actually just coming back to your, so your, as I mentioned, you know, your ecosystem map and report, you, you just released that. Is that something that, um, is going to be fairly regular? Is it going to be an annual report? Um, are you hoping to kind of kind of keep tracking where the industry's at? And, and is that quite important, do you think? I think so. And uh, if you think about it, the UK had the OBIE, you know, to, to publish it and they had the website where you kind of tracked all the participants and, and the ACCC does that and um, tra- our Treasury and the government department um, report some of this and but but no one had done it in in the form of a design visual presentation before so that's kind of where where i looked at and said hey together with fintech australia and f data um uh, we came together and said let's let's do this because i think visualizing an ecosystem i think is i'm a visual person so i, I always ingest a lot easier and um you know i think celebrating the great things that are happening but also by visualizing you can see where maybe they aren't and, and simplifying some of those statistics in a very, you know, black and white, no pun intended, my, my report is black and white, but, you know, black, black and white graph. So, you know, you can really see where some of the, <clears throat> some of the changes that need to happen are. So, um, yeah, in terms of frequency, we, we are looking to do it frequently. Um, you know, launching the report, we're getting people giving us feedback in terms of how you've missed this or this should be categorized a different way, which is great because, um, you know, we, we launched like an amendment request form with it at the same time. So if people want to ask us for changes they can submit a request to that which is great we're getting some requests so it's really good to see some engagement in the ecosystem um in terms of um helping and you know i'm 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 pro open banking i want to finish this i want to see this work i think it's in great regulation and uh, i want to make this happen so that was the the driver behind this uh, ecosystem map um to really push it forward um so yeah we, we we may look at doing it quarterly to six monthly depending on the the kind of the the quantum of quantum of updates um that will come from that yeah as you say it's kind of great to have that information all in one place um you know from my perspective it was was really interesting uh, because it kind of gave me this great um not just overview a real insight into what's going on in in australia um so yeah we'll definitely um open making expo definitely keep track of, of those reports and um um it brenton thank you so much for coming on the podcast today not a problem thank you so much for having me my thanks again there to Brenton Charney of Open Finance Advisors. Uh, I think you'll all agree, it gave us a great 
kind of insight into the Australian ecosystem there, um, the consumer data rights. Really interesting to hear from him, of course. And um, look, there's plenty of other episodes of Open Banking Expo Unplugged on the on-demand section of our website. So do have a look back at some of our, our recent episodes. Uh, we've talked to some great people who who really want to see open banking work wherever it is in the world that they are. So until next time, goodbye for now.